This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's right. The Marvel episodes are back. Okay. And we've got a fan favorite character from the comic books making his grand debut on the small screen. I have been waiting for this TV show for God knows how long. He's one of my favorites. I think he's going to become one of your favorites. I know y'all love Oscar Isaac. So regardless, y'all are going to love it. I'm going to go ahead and warn y'all right now. It's going to be hard for me constantly going back and forth between all these names. You know, he has many personalities, but I'm familiar enough with the comics that, look, I'm going to get it together, okay? I'm used to calling him Mark. That's the one that usually takes the, you know, the lead role in comics. You know, his mama named him Mark. I'm going to call him Mark, but I'm going to have to work on this Steve. But we'll we'll get into all of it, okay? It's a new bonus, technically bonus, because, you know, the Marvel episodes are bonus episodes. Bonus episode of Reality in Comics 2. Let's do it.
That's right. You're listening to Reality and Comics 2, the podcast that discusses all things scripted and unscripted TV and film. I'm Kendrick, but most of you know me as your mama's favorite black geek. You want some hot takes about the Real Housewives or Love Island, or maybe you just want some extra insight on the Scarlet Witch or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, you're in the right place. Grab a cocktail, sit back, and prepare to cuss and fuss right along with me. let out a a big sigh you know why if you're listening to this the day it comes out which is the day after moon Knight premiered then it's thursday and i have to go see morbius tonight y'all know i i make it a habit i always go see the new the new superhero movies the day they come out which is usually thursday night and i i'm just not looking forward to morbius i know that sounds so stupid like if you're not looking forward to it why the hell are you going because everything is canon now you got to make sure you watch all the marvel movies because you know morbius is going to pop up somewhere else you know we might get some some blade action somewhere you know we we just never know what's going to happen and i don't like to miss out on a damn thing okay so i'm going to see morbius I'm going to put on a good face. Uh, Jared Leto, he's on the cover of Men's Health, which just arrived in my mailbox today, right on time, and he's jacked. So, I mean, I'm I'm going to go see it, okay? I'm, I am I can't promise I'm going to like it, but I'm going to go in with an open mind, and I'm going to report back to you guys how I felt about it. Now, if I come back saying, you know, a lot of bullshit went on, don't, don't be surprised. It's just a lot of bullshit went on, okay? I just, you know, I like to tell you the truth. I'm going to go see it, and then I'll, I don't know, I'll, I'll play it by ear then. Let's get to Moon Knight. I am so happy this show has finally premiered. I've been waiting on it for God knows how long now. Oh, my God, Moon Knight. When they announced Moon Knight, see, there are certain characters that just have, like, this kind of cult following in comics. Moon Knight. People are waiting for Nova. People are waiting for Century. Like, there are so many... Con- of course, people are waiting for the X-Men, but God knows when the hell we'll get them. Who... I don't know. Let me let me not go down that rabbit hole. Y'all know I will rant and rave about that all goddamn day. There are just certain characters that we... we you know, now that we can do almost anything with Marvel movies, why not give us a lot of our fan favorites? And they've given us Moon Knight. Moon Knight is a very, very complex character, if you can't tell from this first episode. I'm going to break him down as we go along. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the comics and the characters on the show, how they relate to the comics, and we're going to get into the things. Overall, though, I love this first episode. For me, I think of all the Disney Plus shows, if we're just talking about premiere episodes, this was hands down the best one. And you know me, I'm a Wanda vision apologist like wandavision was the perfect show to me but if you're just talking about first episodes of something i think wandavision the first couple of episodes because you really got to kind of see how shit's shaking out you really got to kind of package those together to really understand and you know to compare it to some first episodes loki even though you know i'm i'm hard on loki i'm hard on the whole but loki even loki had you know 
he had a great premiere episode. It really drew me in. Now, you know, two and three, they kind of, you know, they, they lost me a little bit. But they started going back up, you know, four, five, six. Those were some, you know, some good episodes. So, you know, Loki did what he needed to do. I'm I'm just happy Moon Knight is here, y'all. I want to talk about the episode. Before I talk about the episode, let me throw it over to my girl Kaya from the Bravo Wild Black Podcast. You know she watches all the Disney Plus shows now with me. She watches along. A lot of y'all do. I love that. A lot of y'all were not giving Marvel a chance before you started listening to this mostly Bravo podcast at first, even though I was always talking, you know, Marvel. I was always giving y'all two episodes a week. And so a lot of y'all now... You used to kind of watch Marvel peripherally, just kind of like, you know, in the other room, somebody else watching it, you listening to what's going on. But now that you kind of have a friend, aka me, to watch it along with, a lot of y'all actually watch a lot more. And I love that. I love the amount of people that come into my inbox and my emails and my text messages and talk about these shows. I just love it. And Kaya is one of those people. And she had a lot of thoughts about this first episode. So let's throw it over to Kaya. So Moon Knight, I am just so excited that we have another show to watch week to week on Disney Plus because when the, it was announced that WandaVision was even getting a show, I was so skeptical. But when that was a success, and then Captain America was a success, and then Loki was a success, it's like, I just want a show to be on at all times. I need shows to get me in between the movies, okay? So the actual show, Moon Knight, I have never heard of this character before. Apparently, he is different people stuck in one body and as you can see on episode one he does not realize that just yet um i'm just not sure really what happened the whole episode but uh, you know i enjoyed it i like museums so i like the museum scene i like oscar isaac because he's just very hot he's very nice to look at and apparently he's in star wars and i don't watch star wars so i don't get to see him so now i get to see his face um, as far as the plot, I think that they did a really good job explaining uh, that woman who did something, but I'm just like stupid and I didn't read the comics and I just don't know a lot about him, so I didn't understand it, but I could tell that they did a really good job explaining how she plays into things. I was shook as hell when he went to that one dimension and the guy and the old lady was there and then I guess they killed the old lady because she was going to do something bad in the future even though she was like my whole life I was good and then in the other dimension her ass was like a whole velociraptor or some kind of like just very dangerous thing I thought that was interesting um the goldfish is actually really hilarious because that goldfish specifically had one fin okay and i wanted to know why he mentioned that he had one fin okay that's not the same fucking goldfish like he said he know his motherfucking fish okay and um i really love the well the most i love the finding nemo reference because you know there was a goldfish with one fin um overall the premiere it was okay I think that once I understand what's going on and we have more episodes so I can do a rewatch and watch things back to back, I'll like it more. So I'll give the premiere about a, ooh, I don't want to say a six, but all right, I'll say a seven out of 10. 
I think a seven out of 10 for someone that's never read the comics, who has gone into this like super blind, doesn't know what the hell's going on, all these, you know, switching of scenes and stuff. I think that's actually pretty good. So I'm glad she liked it. I'm sure a lot of y'all loved it too. I've been uh trying to go through some DMs today. Y'all know me and them damn direct messages. I've been trying to go through them. Y'all have been like giving it really positive stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy about that. So we're all loving Moonlight. Let's get into the actual episode though. We start off with Ethan Hawke's character doing some kind of religious ritual, sitting, you know, kneeling, uh, you know, on a mat, doing these kind of things. He's using the water to like make the sound. And I forgot what that's called. You don't, you know, don't judge me. Then he actually like breaks the glass with a thick towel and then he puts the shards of glass in his Jesus sandals. Now this may seem random as fuck, but let me actually give you a little bit of backstory on the character that he's playing. He's Dr. Arthur Harrow. Y'all call you, you hear Harrow a lot in this episode. And he's like, he was this Nobel prize winning uh, candidate in the comic books for his work in pain theory which kind of explains like the shards of glass in the shoes to me, at least it might've been like connected with religion. Cause you know, sometimes religions feel like you got to do a lot of things to, you know, prove your worthiness to God and these kind of things. But to me, it makes more sense that like, he's someone that studied pain theory for this long, for so long that he actually got a Nobel prize in it. And now maybe he's conquered managing his pain. I don't know. It felt like more of a nod to the comics to me. And I kind of liked that. I mean, he he probably could have, you know, used his time better trying to figure out less painful cancer therapy. Or so I don't know. I'm, I, I mean, I'm just saying. I I don't know. I don't. I can't judge the man. This is really random, you know. Side note, but you know, I'm a Marvel fanatic. I'm just, you know, that's me. One of my favorite parts about getting new Marvel shows and getting new Marvel movies is seeing how the logo changes at the beginning of the show. Not just like the color theme, because, you know, if you remember, WandaVision was like slightly purple, you know, for the, you know, the magic that was in the show. Loki was like the green and the gold, you know, very fitting. Captain America was the, you know, Captain America was black and white, I think. I guess that was, you know, one black, one white. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I loved it anyway. But not just the color thing. I also love seeing what new heroes get added into the, like, the montage at the beginning. This time, it was obviously the Eternals. Now, other than Spider-Man, who was already there, we, those are the only newbies that we've gotten from them since, what, Shang-Chi, I think? And Shang-Chi is there. I always, for some reason, I randomly always look for Shang-Chi every single time just to make sure he's still there as if they're going to just come and snatch him away at some point. They're not. He was there, FYI. But I don't know. I just, I, Shang-Chi was one of my favorite movies of last year. So I like to, I like to keep my eye on him. We start off with Oscar Isaac's character laying in bed. Now, I know that might sound weird since we know he's playing the, you know, the titular character on the show. But of course, if you're familiar, then you know his character that he's playing has dissociative identity disorder or multiple personality disorder. I don't know if those are the same thing, but I hear them used interchangeably a lot. So pardon me if they're two different, uh, you know, diagnoses. From the comics and for, from what you'll learn, like, you know, through these episodes and through the series and stuff, we know that different personalities take over at different times. There's Mark Spector, who is usually the one that's like driving the, the you know, the story along in comic books. He's usually the one that's kind of like, quote unquote, in charge. 
Uh, but then there's also Jake Lockley, who is like a cab driver at night. So, you know, he, he's saying some things, okay? He's saying some things. And then there's Steve Grant, who is who Oscar Isaac is playing in the show, mostly. And in comic books, he's a millionaire. Now, if you watch this first episode, then you know that that character has been retconned and he is not a damn millionaire. Why? Well, I think the prevailing theory is... I actually think that the showrunner might have actually addressed this, but I think he didn't want, you know, if he would have been a millionaire and as dark as the, the Moon Knight comics are sometime and, you know, dark brooding uh, superhero that has a whole lot of money, then obviously what movie did we just get done watching? The Batman. He would have been way too similar to the Batman and they wanted something new. Now, am I okay with that? Absolutely. You know, I'm not one of those people that like, it has to be comic accurate, has to stick to this, has to, I'm, I'm okay with creative liberties. This to me was a good creative choice. It would have been way too much like the Batman, especially when we just got done watching the bat and the cat, Zoe and Rob do their damn thing in one of the best movies of the past decade, in my opinion. Don't judge me, judge your mammy. Okay. And so I'm, I'm definitely okay with this choice. Steven gets out of bed and undoes his ankle restraints. Listen, do whatever the hell you need to do to get off, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Look, you know, obviously we know why he sleeps with the things. He has sand around his bed, so you can actually see the footprints when he gets out. He has tape around the edges of the door. It's a lot going on, okay? One thing to note in this opening scene, his new pet, Gus. Gus is easy to make out because Gus only has one fin, as Kay had just told y'all in the voice note. Steve points this out, but you can obviously tell, you know, when they zoom in on, they saw him flapping around all in the water with just, you know, going in circles because where, <laughs> where the hell else you go go with just one fin. Now, obviously, if you finish this first episode, then you know this comes into play later when he magically dun, 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 has two fans, basically showing that Steve doesn't know what the hell is going on. He takes a back seat when Mark and Conshu are doing their damn thing, okay? Steve runs to the bus to head to work at the museum, and it's important to note how tired he is. See, being sleep-deprived has become like a normal part of his life in comics and the show, obviously, because he knows that sleep is not his friend. That's why he has to do so much stuff to kind of make sure that he can tell the difference between when he's dreaming, because obviously he thinks he's dreaming a lot, and when he's wide awake. Once he gets to the museum, we see how much Steve knows about the Egyptian gods, which is actually a big parallel to the comics. Khonshu and the other gods are a really big part of the Moon Knight brand. He's not actually a tour guide, though. He's an employee in the gift shop. While he's setting up, you know, after a run-in with his mean-ass but kind of funny-ass boss, another employee comes over and asks if they're still on for dinner tomorrow, and Steve has no idea that this woman is talking about them having a date at a steakhouse. Like, that's because he didn't make plans, okay? Obviously, Mark or Jake, you know, we haven't even been introduced to Jake at this point, but obviously Mark or Jake did this when they were in control. It shows you how different the personalities are, like in every aspect of life, because Steve is a damn vegan. And Steve don't want to go to no damn steak restaurant. But apparently he's made plans to go. Somebody did. I know that's right, Mark. Look, Steve, you might not eat meat, but me, I'm going to fuck a cow's ass up. You hear me? 
While doing inventory, we get another glimpse of Steve's knowledge of Egyptian gods when he's explaining to her that, you know, the poster of the Ennead is incorrect because there are a few gods that are missing. Look, she says she fired a couple of them for being late. I know the fuck that's right. His boss is just like Philip from Candy and the Gang. Do y'all watch Candy and the Gang on Bravo? I love that show. Philip ain't trying to be within none of that shit and neither is she, okay? Meanwhile, I'm on birth. Look, I'm just waiting in the wings to curse somebody the fuck out because I didn't had a bad day. I know that's right, Bertha. Side note, did y'all catch that big pimping melody playing in the background when he was leaving work for the day? I didn't catch it at first. Child was probably my phone uh, uh, doing something I will. Actually, you know what? Yesterday, the day, uh, what was it, Tuesday, because it came out on the Wednesday. Tuesday, I was not feeling well at all. So I actually took a long ass nap after work. So I actually stayed up to watch Moon Knight. Like I woke up and stayed up and it comes on at two o'clock here, central time, you know, real motherfucker time. Okay. I don't know nothing about that Eastern time. Y'all be on it. That's fake people time. I don't know nothing about that. But Kaya, the day she watched it, actually pointed it out to me. So when I went back to do my notes, I was like, oh, okay. Jigga what? Jigga who? Okay. Do y'all think, okay, you know Beyonce has that big deal with Disney. I wonder if she helped them clear that sample. Well, wait a minute. It could it could have been the original song because that song was a sample too. You know, the lyrics weren't playing shit. Disney, Disney said, okay, we're giving y'all, you know, a bloody show, super gory, super confusing, talking about all this stuff. We ain't be, be talking about pimps and hoes too. This ain't 3-6 Mafia hard out here for a pimp. We ain't doing that shit. Look, y'all took this shit too damn far. Okay, it's also important to note that the security guard calls him by a different name, like a wrong name every time. Why is that though? Is it because... Steve is such a forgettable character because I think that's the way we're supposed to be perceiving Steve. He's not the most like, you know, memorable guy. He doesn't really take a lot of chances, that kind of stuff. He's just Steve, the guy that works at the gift shop. Or is it because he's met different versions of this character so many different times and can't remember his name because he's been given so many different names? One day, oh, hey, I'm Jake. One day, oh, hey, I'm Mark. One day, oh, hey, I'm Steve. One day, oh, hey, I'm Mr. Knight. You know, it might, it might be a whole lot of stuff. Just something to ponder about. We probably won't find out the answer to that during this series because it's not a very important question. But from what we know of the character, it's one to kind of ponder over and just just have in the back of your mind. He goes outside and starts talking to a damn statue, which I think is just an actual man, like spray-painted gold. It's like one of those like tour attractions that people take pictures with when they go to a new city. You know, when you go down to like Bourbon Street or Beale Street or something, and the performers are out there. You know, I think he one of them kind of people, okay? And out of no damn where, Steve is talking his ass off about this lady and this date he has. Obviously, he's pretty excited about it, probably because he didn't know about the shit. No way. He wasn't the one that set up the damn date, okay? When we get back to his apartment, you know, we start the whole nightly routine. Not like my nightly routine. You know, I got to put on a little, you know, a little serum, you know, wash the face real good, you know, shower, moisturize. You know, not, not that kind of routine. He does his routine where he feels the sand around the bed that's been stepped in, He latches the door, you know, tapes it shut like he always does, puts his restraints on. He listens to an audio book called Staying Awake where it like advises him to do things like puzzles 
reading books, which, you know, we actually see because they show the inside of the book. He's reading more and more about Greek mythology or I'm sorry, not Greek, Egyptian mythology. He listens to this audiobook on repeat while tossing a Rubik's Cube up in the air. Suddenly, out of nowhere, obviously he fell asleep. Something happened. The character switched. Suddenly, we cut to a whole different scene. It's daytime, and he's in the middle of a field with a broken jaw. Now, you've gotten a glimpse at what it's like to be, you know, Mark Spector in the comics when he turns to Moon Knight, but then he forgets everything that happened the very next day. While he pops his jaw back into place, cacao, and then tries to figure out where he is, we hear the voice of Khonshu. Now, Khonshu is very important to the character of Moon Knight, very important in the comics. This is like the god that Moon Knight serves. He's like Moon Knight's advisor and helps him, you know, basically on his journey, help him get from point A to point B, because in his mind, you know, all of this is to serve him. Khonshu is mad because Steve is back in control of the body and not Mark Spector, who is clearly driving the Moon Knight persona. We almost get a glimpse of Khonshu, but of course Steve turns around and he notices someone else. Some men who are like actively trying to kill him. So it makes the most sense to think that Mark was actually knocked out of control when his jaw was broken and that's how Steve came back into power of the body. They start shooting at him from above because they're like up in this like, it looks like, I forgot where they were, but they were somewhere like a little by like a little small village and uh, he actually runs toward the village where it's filled with people and he's trying to blend in. This is when we see Arthur Harrow, who is, if you forgot, Ethan Hawke's character, making his way through the crowd. You know, the onlookers are touching him like he's God. You know how people are with uh, re- religious leaders. They come up. He grabs them, asks if they'll accept like their, what is it, if they'll accept their scales no matter what the outcome is. And then the tattoo of the scales on his wrist moves and it tells him whether the person is good or bad. It's real crazy. The first guy, he was a good man. Everyone applauded. Yay. Okay. Going on about your life. Boy, gone hell on. And then this one woman, she came up there. Apparently she was uh, determined to be bad. So the scales turned red instead of black. And then she fainted. So it looks like Arthur Harrow is collecting hell out of some souls. Cause uh, she gone. When the armed men come and tell Harold that they let Steve slip away, he says something in a foreign language to the crowd. Obviously, like, you know, when you're in a black church and, uh, you know, someone gets up there and says, God is good. And then the whole congregation says all the time. And then she said, and all the time you said, God is good. It was one of those kind of things. He says something and everybody just knew to kneel. Everybody except Steve. Everybody knew Neil except him. See, now he's spotted. It's important to note, though, that Harrow refers to Steve as the mercenary, which we know from comics is Mark Spector's occupation, obviously. Former mercenary, killing every damn body. Steve's like, uh-uh, sis, like, I, I work in a gift shop and nothing else, nothing. I don't do nothing else. I just work in a gift shop. Harrow tells him to return the scarab, which is like this golden beetle. I feel like we've seen it in a lot of movies, like maybe the mummy, Maybe I'm making it up. What movie was the Rocky in? Was that Scorpion King? I don't know. We've seen it in other movies, though. But the little scarab, he tells him to return it. And it's the artifact that Steve had found in his pocket earlier in the episode. He tries to return it, but Khonshu or Mark, I don't know which one it is. It's unclear. I'm assuming Mark. 
controls his body and won't let him. The men are trying to kill him like all around him. They gathering around and next thing we see the screen flashes and Steve is covered in blood and all of the men are laid the fuck out. Obviously, Mark Spector took over for a minute and kicked some ass so he could save Steve. Because if Steve dead, then what the hell we go do? I'm like, Miss Juicy, what the hell we go do now? This is the perfect way to show the transitions between his personalities. I love the way they chose to do this on the show. I was weary about how they were going to, like, actually execute this, like, going back and forth between personalities. But in my opinion, it turned out perfect. Are you looking for a cheap way to support your favorite content creator? You know who I'm talking about, the content creator that you happen to be listening to now. Yes, guess what? I'm on Buy Me A Coffee, or in my case, Buy Me A Beer, okay? Go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash realitycomics2, the number two this time. Yeah, they said it was too long, yada, 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 whatever. Listen, I work hard to put out these two podcast episodes every single week to run the Instagram account, to do the polls, the stories, the uh, 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 everything else in between. Any support that you guys give me, I always appreciate. So if you're tired of uh, me constantly soliciting uh, ratings and reviews, then just buy me a coffee. I love you for it. Mwah! and he jumps into this like cupcake truck that's you know obviously local to the village and one of my favorite marvel scenes ensues it's a high speed chase on a curvy mountain ledge plus a bloody action scene plus the chaos that is him switching back and forth between personalities it's amazing the funny part was somebody's grandmama giving him the finger when he drove past her ass now that was funny as hell One of the guys manages to get in the back of the truck because they're all, you know, in their own cars chasing after him at this point. And as he's trying to kill Steve while another car drives next to him and is about to shoot. So obviously now he has two different forms of a threat after his life. The screen blinks once again and Steve is now holding the gun. No cars next to him. And the guy that was trying to kill him inside of the truck is now at the very back of the truck with the door open and falls his ass out, and he was already shot. So, a lot going on there. Obviously, Mark Spector had taken over at this point. Shu's commentary every time Mark switches back to Steve is actually hilarious. I didn't think I'd like Shu as much as I do on this show. <laughs> it's kind of funny because I feel like he's a little more serious in comics, but he, uh, listen, Shu could be a real housewife. He throw a little shade now. I like that. We get another screen flicker and suddenly he's driving the whole damn truck backwards. Then boom, more people dead, more people dead. And now we're back tied up in Steve's bed. How the hell did we get here? Lord, I'd be stressed the fuck out living in Steve Grant my whole damn life. This is when, as I mentioned earlier, he notices that one, his one legged ass fish now has two damn fins. He obviously, he puts the damn fish in a blender. I don't know if it's a blender, but like one of those cups that it it was a blender. Okay. For the sake of this podcast, it's going to be a blender. Okay. With the top on there, water filled up. He takes that fish back down to the fish store and he finds out that apparently he was in the fish store yesterday. He was already there again. 
obviously this was yet another disassociation and he either returned the fish, the one fin fish that he had and, or he got another one. Like we don't know what the case was. He realizes that when he looks on the wall, he's actually late for his date. And when he thinks he's being stood up, cause he's gone to the restaurant at this point, the waiter keep asking him, damn, I mean, you, you want some water, some bread? Like what you want? He like, Oh, you know, not looking good. Is it? He decides to give her a call. And let me tell you something. He got sis on their phone and she let all five of them personalities have it. Okay. Child, they were supposed to be at the damn restaurant on a date on Friday and this motherfucking Sunday. The day the Lord made. The day the Lord rested after he made the whole earth. Child, Mark was in control for a long time this time. Child, it stressed out Steve so damn bad that his vegan ass ordered a damn steak. He wanted the best one too. I know that's right. Listen, get you a look. If you go to a restaurant and they have the option to get some Wagyu, Get you some Wagyu, okay? Steve, you should have got you some Wagyu with some lobster macaroni. Ooh. And a little asparagus. See, look, I'm only saying asparagus because I didn't want to say two starches and then y'all start judging me and shit. I don't need that damn judgment in my life, okay? Steve makes it back home and somehow he noticed like a loose board up on the wall. He climbs up on a chair. He gets up to that board. He removes the board and then he finds a damn razor cell phone and a key on a keychain. Come on, Motorola. I know that's right. How much y'all think Motorola paid for that plug? Child, I wish I can get my damn razor flip phone back. That's how a motherfucker knew you were mad at them. When you hung up that phone with the vengeance of God and almost cracked that screen because you were so goddamn mad and you closed it hard as hell. See, that's what I'm talking about. Anyway, he starts going through the phone and he sees the name Layla repeated constantly in the call log. If I had to take, you know, if I had to guess, I would say that Layla is probably this show's version of the character Marlene from the comics who he is, you know, love interest. He loves him to Marlene, baby. I've been reading the latest Moon Knight run that is, I think is a Marvel Unlimited exclusive. It just came, like, they release, like, three or four episodes every single Wednesday. So, like, it, you know, it, it gives what it needs to give, okay? And Marlene is in that one, obviously. Conchu's in that one. Frenchie's in that one. All of them in there. So, we also see the name Duchamp, which we know is his friend and right-hand man, Frenchie, in the comic books. The child, Frenchie only tried to call him once. I guess they ain't that damn close to friends because Layla was wearing his ass out. Suddenly, while Mark is looking through the phone, you guessed it, incoming call from Layla. Child, she just happy to know that this damn man is alive and he don't even know what the hell, he don't know what's going on. He don't know who the hell she is. Once he starts questioning and acting kind of weird, you know, she's like, okay, what's wrong with you, Mark? And he's like, who the fuck is Mark? Child, sis hung up on his ass. I guess she was tired. Of, she was either tired of this shit or she had said too much. I don't know which one it is, but I guess we'll find out next week. He suddenly starts hearing someone constantly calling his name. So now he's looking all around the apartment. He crazy, you know, he thinking he a little paranoid, like, nah, what is that? And he finds nothing, not a damn thing. He thinks he sees something weird in the reflection, but once, you know, he gets creeped out enough and then he's trying, you know, he starts looking and turning lights on and stuff. He's like, okay, what's going on? But obviously something freaks him out enough that he runs out of that apartment and runs into the elevator which also has a mirror in it. If you look on this show, there are mirror 
water. There are reflections everywhere of this man. Very indicative of them personalities. I love it. Reflections, reflections, reflections all through the episode. The elevator suddenly opens and it's on a random floor on an empty hallway. But then Khonshu finally appears. Steve obviously starts screaming. And as Khonshu gets closer to the elevator, he's freaking out. But then he opens his eyes. It's actually a little old lady coming to pay her friend a visit. Child, Steve's so damn confused. He's talking about, oh, I lost the contact. You know, all this kind of bullshit. He don't know what to damn do. He turned around and boom. They go Khonshu again. Now he's on the bus headed to work. He don't know how the hell he got the, he woke up screaming. Chat, listen, this man stressed the hell out. Get this man a, a Klondike bar or a Xanax something. I don't know what the hell to help him, but those personalities are fucking your boy up, okay? He runs into the museum and he tells the security guard to keep an eye out. Use your cat eye. Keep an eye out for shady characters, but child, them folks was already in there. Now, this is how you do a climactic ending to a series premiere, okay? Arthur Harrow is already in there, and he's talking about Amit and other Egyptian gods, and we find out that, you know, some of the people that work in the museum are followers of Arthur Harrow, too, so he can't count on anyone for help, nobody other than himself. (laughs) His other self, I guess, child. After lots of creepy talk, Arthur does the judgment thing that has... You know, he he has, he, you know, he was doing earlier in the show where he uses, he holds the people's hand and the scales, on the tattoo scales start turning colors or whatever. And all he determines is that there's chaos inside of Mark. No shit. Or Steve. I told y'all, I knew I was going to fuck up at least once. Steve. There's chaos inside of Steve. Steven makes his escape and they actually let him escape. They don't chase him. They, he, you know, he says, let him go. They let him go. De- uh, listen. While he's doing inventory, he's hearing a howling sound and he goes looking for it. I don't, y'all got to start taking hints from black people in horror movies, okay? This is obviously a horror scene. Y'all got to look and see what's right to do. Why the hell are you walking towards the creepy sound in the creepy ass museum at night in the dead, the dead of night at that after being harassed by somebody that wants to snatch your damn soul? What the fuck is going on? I listen. Soon as he realizes it's not a dog, it's not a dog. It's like a werewolf monster creature type thingy. He realizes that child, that thing chased Steven's ass all up and down that damn museum like a game of Jumanji. I I would hate if I'd rolled the damn dice and this happened to me in Jumanji shit. Finally, he makes it to this bathroom that's like you know locked and secured, and this scene is actually so visually dope like it looks like a one shot but it's still like you see the reflections going all through at one point but then you don't they stop and angle it to where you only see uh mark talking to him in the reflection like it's just dope as fuck he starts having a conversation with a much more calm and relaxed mark in the mirror who wants to take over control again you know what steve's like look i didn't had a long ass day have at it he lets him take control and we finally get to see Moon Knight. The transformation, by the way, cool as fuck. I like it a lot. He's attacked by the werewolf monster thingy as he's transforming. And, you know, we're thinking, oh, my God, that's it. Our hero's dead. Oh, no. What's happening? Dead, dead, gone. But, nope. Moon Knight, when they showed inside the bathroom, was whooping that creature's 
ass. And then we finally got the costume reveal that we've been waiting for. Y'all, this was a hell of a first episode. I am so excited for Wednesdays now. I love this show. I want to watch it at 2 a.m. every time, but I know my ass will be asleep, so I'm not even going to promise that. I love this show, and I want to hear from y'all. Hit me up on Instagram at realitycomics2. Send me an email, realitycomics2 at gmail.com. I need to hear all y'all's thoughts on the show because I'm not going to be able to shut the hell up about it, okay? So, y'all, it's been me. I've been it. I think, what are my three personalities? My three personalities, I'm going to be Kendrick. I'm going to be Martez, who is a stripper. And I'm going to be... Arquacious. Ooh, Arquacious. Yeah, I'm be Arquacious, who is a reality TV star. Those are my three. You got Kendrick the podcaster. Uh child, I forgot the names already. Bye. Oh wow. You sat through that entire episode? Well, aren't you special? You deserve a treat. Why don't you head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podchaser or Castbox and leave me a five star rating and review for free? Need to contact me? Email me at realitycomics2 at gmail.com. Make sure you follow me on Instagram for hilarious memes and up to date information about the podcast. That's at realitycomics2 T O O. This is Kendrick. And I'll see ya! Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And now it's Geico's Motorcycle Rules of the Road. Avoid biking in the rain and never touch another person's bike. Hey guys, look at these bikes. So shiny. Uh, whoops. I'm gonna leave a note. Oh gosh, there's more. And the rule to saving on motorcycle insurance is, in 15 minutes, Geico could save you 15% or more. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.